Let's hear it for Tucker Hibbert. Tucker Hibbert. Tucker Hibbert. Tucker Hibbert. Tucker Hibbert. It's just flat unbelievable. So graceful, so smooth. Nobody reads lines like Tucker. Incredible charge for Hibbert. He has been dominating. Domination for Hibbert. Dominant on this track. This is a study in snowcross racing. To my right here, Tucker Hibbert. I don't know if you know uh, Tucker, but um, if you don't, it means you've been living under a rock in the snowmobile world for the last... Dude, how long you've been racing since you were like eight, eight years a old? A long time, yeah. I think I raced uh, like 23, 22 years. So I, I, my dad always gave me a hard time because I retired <laughs> when I was, you know, I stopped racing when I was young compared to him. He raced into his 40s and I was, I don't know what I was, 34, 30, something like that when I stopped racing. And yeah. he's just like, you know, just gives me a hard time. But I started when I was like, three basically and he, yeah. didn't, he didn't start until he was in his teens and and gets didn't get serious until his early 20s so our actual uh racing career time i actually raced a little bit longer than him but i just started way earlier so it seemed like he, he likes to give me a hard time about it well i have uh i have a ton i've, I've been i couldn't sleep last night because i was like had all these um uh, thoughts and questions in in my mind and so I, uh, I've never, ever taken notes for a podcast I've done because uh, usually I'm the one who does all the talking. Um, but I've got, I've got some numbers for everybody, okay? So just so you know, and I've talked about this in some podcasts, someone has, people ask me, like, who do you look up to? And, you know, it's, it's, it's been in the snowmobile industry, I was like, I, or just in, in life in general, it's like I didn't have like these big heroes or or anything. I just you know I was a pretty self motivated person, but um, in the snowmobile industry, a person I looked up to was you. Um, and I I we talked about this on on day one when you arrived here at BBA, which that'll be in the latter part of this episode. But um, I wanted so bad to be a part of the industry and make a living at this. And at that time. And you are 40? 39. Sorry. Careful. Sorry. <laughs> 39. I'm 45. So, so being older, looking up to someone younger is kind of unique. And um, I was just watching what you were doing, and you were doing it. You were making a living snowmobiling. And so I was like, well, I guess I need to go snow crossing. Wow, that was a mistake. Um, it, was ac- it was, like, really hard. Um, that's maybe what the conversation will be like, I was going to go backcountry riding. And then I saw it was really hard. <laughs> so, um, I want to show I want to throw some numbers at you guys. Um, so Tucker 14 X game medals, which is impressive, which is crazy. But what really blows me away is nine gold medals in a row. Nine. So didn't you think after like five, like this is getting pretty hard. Yeah, it start, you start to get more and more nervous, like wins. So with racing, it's like you can be really good and you can have everything ready and, and be in position, be capable of winning, but there's so many things that can happen that can derail you from actually achieving that. So, you know, a malfunction with the sled, another rider uh, crashing in front of you, taking you. I mean, there's just so many variables with racing um, that can – can take the perfect scenario and just flip it upside down. So when you think about nine, ten years uh, of being able to accomplish your goal without something just random happening is, to, to me, that's the most amazing. I mean, for, for me and our team, like, we were so dialed. 
and prepared like we knew we knew we were capable of winning. We were always in position to win, but when you get that many years in a row, you're like, when's, when's this oddball thing going to happen that's just going to stop us from, from getting to the finish line first? And it's, to me, that's what's most amazing. I mean, it's all the hard work and dedication that went into it put us in that position, but to actually just keep doing it year after year, that's, that's what was pretty cool for us. So literally, as you were telling that, look at, do you see that's <laughs> goosebumps and the hair raised on my arm? Like, so I'm fanboying out big time right here um, because, you know, I can, I can relate to, um, to what you're, what you're talking about there. And so a couple, couple more numbers. So those goals were from 2007 to 2016. You were the youngest ever until Chloe Kim won um, at the age of 15, you won a X Games gold medal um the wonder boy right um that's what they they tagged tucker as um back then 10-time national snowcross champion um you big time me last year and didn't come to bba because you got inducted into the hall of fame some kind of big deal there which was awesome uh you competed at the highest level in motocross from from an early age there too um you've really just done it all dude um so we got a bunch to dive into, which will be really fun. Um, obviously, a lot of people know you for uh, for your snowcross efforts, um, but I'm, I I got to ask you about the motocross side of things. Uh, just many people maybe don't know that, but it seemed like that was a pretty big passion for you growing up. It was for sure. As a as a kid, I just loved motocross, and I love obviously snowmobiles. My dad was racing and riding, so growing up around that naturally I, I got sucked into it and he also rode dirt bikes and you know just anything with an engine and and uh, some some excitement and adrenaline was for me and I really got hooked on motocross as a young kid and um, so growing up it was always motocross and dirt bikes in the summer snowmobiles and snowcross in the winter and that's just how it went forever and ever and, and that was a pretty common thing with a lot of snowcross racers it seemed like they kind of went hand in hand and um, for me it was always uh you know, it was fun because I got to do both. You can't, you know, they don't overlap a ton, so you could just have fun doing both. But um, as I as I progressed and got better, I, I really started to enjoy racing motocross, and I took it more serious and started improving and, and wanting to go to more races and bigger races. And um, so, yeah, the, it was just kind of like uh, my deal my whole life was just loving to do both sports. And, and at one point, I, I kind of took motocross and supercross more seriously and kind of stepped away from snowmobile racing uh, at the level that I was and had some pretty big goals that I wanted to accomplish. And um, I, I accomplished some of them, not all of them. I yeah. still, uh, you know, you know what it's like. You you always want to be better and you always think back, Oh, I should have done this or done that. But, um, but I'm pretty happy with how that went. And, and honestly, um, one of the, I feel one of the biggest reasons for my success in snowcross in the last, my last 10 or 12 years of racing was due to the effort that I put into racing supercross, uh, the time that I kind of set aside to focus on that and, and put snowmobiling on the back burner. I learned so much about training and fitness and preparation and how to, how to like polish the racing um, effort that I was putting in. I transferred that over to snowcross and it was like, that was when the light switch happened. And I, I went from winning races and, and being good to like the next level of winning every time and super consistent. And just, like I said earlier, being in position to win every time. And mm -hmm. then basically the only reason you don't win is because something 
some things happen that maybe are out of your control or you make a mistake, which everyone does. But for the most part, that's that time racing motocross and supercross really set me up for success in the last uh, last chapter of my, my snowmobile racing career. It not only set you up, but it really changed the sport of snowcross tenfold. I mean, you look at motocross and you see the haulers and the dudes with the headsets and the, like, to your point, the preparation and everything that goes in to, because, and and I would, I would assume that the level of competition at the moto side of things, it was, it wasn't four guys who could win. It's 15 guys mm-hmm. that could possibly win. Right. And snowcross kind of seemed like you had your, your heavy hitters. And then, you know, then there was obviously guys that were fast, but every weekend there was, you know, a handful of guys instead of this giant field. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the things that, worked out for you that also worked out for me was maybe from a timing uh, standpoint with with the sport and so you know we had Travis Pastrana and X Games and Freestyle and that was like in that 2005 to 2010 era Mm -hmm. I'm jumping into freestyle um, trying to you know make my name and my living there I think that kind of happened with you with you know Blair and the this crazy new style of snowcross and just racing in general and here comes this 15 year old kid who's about to light the world on fire talk about like I mean you turned pro it's funny when I was reading this morning you got basically a pass to like skip sport because you were too good and you were just going to beat everybody. So, um, you know, you, you literally got thrown in right away, young kid, um, and you just went out to, uh, to start dominating. Talk about racing with Blair. Talk about the beginning. Um, you know, obviously, we, we, we know where it ended. Um, how, was, how was getting going? What, what was the biggest challenges? Um, well, for me, I was, I was definitely very fortunate to grow up in a family that, you know, my dad was racing. He was super successful, super driven, motivated, worked hard. I got to grow up around that and watch him have success and watch the process that got him to that success. So that for me, that was probably the biggest thing as a kid, just being able to see firsthand, you know, what winning looks like and what preparation for winning looks like. So that was, um, that was really cool. And not only my dad, but I was able to go to the races with him and and hang around all the other racers too. And so as a young guy, I was just thrown right into this, this super high level of, of snowmobiling. And I was able to learn from that. And, and, you know, I did get a lot of help from my dad, but most of it came from just me watching him. Like he was so busy and focused on his racing. I was just kind of in the, in the background, soaking it all up. Uh, And that's one thing that I'm super happy about to this day. When I think back to it, my dad never pushed me to race. He never made me race. He never, you know, made me practice, never told me how to, how to do it. He just, if I wanted to do it, it was up to me and he would help me, but he wasn't there just pushing me and he wasn't yelling at me when I did something wrong. Um, he let me figure things out on my own and learn. But at the same time, I had like many good people to look up to and to learn from. And if I wanted to learn, if I asked the questions, they were there right there to help, willing to help. So that, for me, that was the biggest thing. Uh, And obviously the time that I came into the sport with Blair at the same time, um, X Games happening at that time, like I came in at at a time where 
it made the most sense. If I, if I would have been racing 10 years previous to that, it, it probably would have been a whole different story. There just wasn't the, you know, there wasn't the situation to help uh, a rider like me be successful. Yeah. So looking at, I mean, and me being able to become buddies with your dad and, and, you know, just his demeanor and his manner, all of that makes a ton of sense that you're saying that, right? But you had to look at dad and say, boy, dad, you're, you're winning and you're fast, but why, why are you sitting down on your snowmobile? Um, that's a little joke, but the, the style changed, right? And, um, you know, we, we have to acknowledge, I mean, X games just put both you and I on the map, Mm -hmm. right? Um, to watch the evolvement of the sport and the big jumps and the, like, I mean, you could not get, I mean, I was so excited when Snowcross was in X Games because the mod sleds, the the giant jumps, the, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And, you know, to, to, to start winning and then I'm going to go back to that domination again. I just, so I win X Games in 07 doing freestyle. In 2008, I have all these other priorities on my mind, not freestyle. But one of the things that really hurt me in for 2008 was I had all of this weight on my shoulder that just because I won in 07 means I was supposed to win in 08. You did that for freaking nine years. Like, I, I got to the point where I didn't want to do it because of that pressure and I had other goals that I wanted to attain and as you were saying and this is what I respect so much of you is that you knew what you needed to do whether you wanted to do it or not you had to put the same preparation in to stay at that dominant level were there times where you were like I don't know if I want to do this like this is that's awesome I love to hear that I mean it was I mean that's like me right here at BBA right like is there time you, nah, dude, I really like this. Yeah, no, I had so much fun doing it. And so the cool, the cool thing for me was, um, that I was surrounded by people that were as motivated as I was and as dedicated as I was to being successful. So, um, when you get a group of people, it's one thing if you, if you're one person and you're trying to do something and you've got all the motivation, all the talent, everything necessary, but you're kind of on your own or don't have a good support group, that's completely different than when you have a support group that is on the same the same level, just willing to do whatever it takes, excited to do whatever it takes, and um, that's what we had. And when you get a group like that together, it's, it's a whole different situation, and it's so much fun. Uh, and then the success happens, and then it's, it just snowballs. Everything just falls into place, and I'm super fortunate that I had that because I think there is a lot of people out there that – that are capable of doing what I did, what you do. They just don't, they just don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. And I, and I think that happens a lot. Uh, and it just takes everything to come together and everyone to be on the same page. And then you can create that atmosphere where you can be successful. And, and I was fortunate to have that throughout my entire career. That's, that's awesome to hear. And, you know, it was really, so what you're describing there was really the demise for me in freestyle right? Like I literally was using freestyle to get me to my ultimate goal, which was trying to figure out how to make a living doing backcountry riding, right? Mm -hmm. So like your attitude, determination, preparation, that like 
that rings true for me for what my business is now. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's all the same things. It's preparation, it's fitness, it's sled equipment, it's all those things. But it's like, I enjoy winning, mm-hmm. beating the mountain, you know, being the best I can. Um, and I think that's the key to successes. And, and dude, I, I literally put you on this same level as like a Tiger Woods, a Michael Jordan, as, as far as like, and what, and what I mean by that is when the pressure is on, you performed. And there's, I think that was the most impressive thing is like, dude, can he seriously do this again? Um, and that's what was so exciting about X Games was like, and year after year after year, that that pressure, like there's no way he can do it again. There's just no way. There's like everyone's getting better and like something could potentially go wrong. And like to your point, for it to not, for, for like mechanical, I mean, Paul, right? Engel said he's been riding with us and your dad and just all like they had to have just had the Tums like in a five gallon (laughs) bucket because they know that, you know, you did your job from a prepare state and all of that. And a lot of it relies on equipment at X Games. Yeah, for sure. And that goes back to my team. Like I had people that knew what they were doing. They were as dedicated as I was. They were there to make sure everything was perfect. Um, and, And when you do that, even if something goes wrong, then you know, like, you can be bummed, but it's like, we were not leaving anything on the table ever. Yep. So it's like, if something happens, it happens, yeah. you know? I mean, uh, it was, and, and it was so rare that I ever did have an issue. I mean, it was way more common that I made a mistake as a rider uh, on the track, way more common that that would happen than I would have an issue with my snowmobile. And that was just a testament to to the brand Articat that I was riding. They yeah. had great equipment. My dad, all the uh, people at Articat Engineering who helped uh, support our team, my mechanics, Paul. We had a lot of great people throughout um, my career that helped work on the sleds. And, and uh, Steve Hull at Speedworks was, uh, especially for X Games, we put in so much effort for testing. And you would see that, like, getting the whole shot in a race, any race is huge i mean that's 90 percent of winning is getting getting out front uh unfortunately i wasn't always the best starter so i had to learn (laughs) learn how to come from behind but um but for sure at x games i pretty much got the whole shot every time and that was just because we put so much time into preparation and testing for that event um and and all the people that put that time into the snowmobile made it easy for me yeah well i got i got one more set of numbers here that i forgot to mention that was is as impressive if not more impressive than x games so you you lined up 235 times and you won 138 of them dude that's unreal i should have won more you should have won more i i knew you were gonna say that but (laughs) that's that's just absolutely unheard of like absolutely unheard of to have that that type of dominance um and and again, it goes back to, to all the preparations. So one of the things that I'll always remember is, you know, our paths have kind of been aligned, um, but they've never really, they haven't crossed that much mm-hmm. um, over the years. And we, you'd, you'd give me a call in, in October, where's the snow? And I'm like, dude, it's a little early. I know you're wanting to get out on the snow and practice, but there was several times where you and your dad would jump in the pickup truck and come out and, um, you know, you'd see me riding in November and 
where are you? I'm like, dude, come on. It's awesome. Trust me. Come on. And uh, we'd see you and your dad just go pound laps in the rocks in the, in the early season conditions. And, you know, I, I just I loved seeing that that attitude and that preparation and just it's it's like I'm like well well Tucker's gonna go kick everybody's butt again he's already riding a snowmobile and everyone's like not even close yet so yeah that was huge for our success and and a lot of that uh is my dad's my dad's effort to make our preseason testing happen um I I was you know I still am not that experienced in the mountains my dad's got a lot of experience and for us the the preparation before the race season was where we put a lot of effort because if we could come into the season into the first race you know 10 steps ahead of the competition and then carry that all the way through they're never going to catch us that was our mentality so Mm -hmm. i i put as much effort as i could into riding before the season started and not just riding the same as everyone else so we would search snow we would like you said i would i would call you hey where's and i and i think sometimes you were like ah don't come out here and ruin all my snow you know it's just it's just getting ready but we we would drive wherever we had to to find a little patch of snow and make our own little track and and get some seat time so that was uh and and some of the other racers caught on to that and started putting that effort in uh towards the end and and it showed like the elevation of all the the teams and riders started going up but um but yeah, my experience in the mountains prior to this week has been just riding a snowcross sled in the minimal amount of snow and mm-hmm. bouncing off of rocks and just trying to get faster uh, on my race sled, but on the side of a mountain, which uh, I quickly learned this week is not the same it's a as l- riding a mountain sled. It's a little different, <laughs> and we'll we'll get into that. But I got a I got a couple I got a couple more questions. So you're like you're a mod mod guy, right? Like you love mod sleds when you know back in the day when they had the 800 mods and everything it was like whoa like just and obviously um i like mod sleds too you guys Mm -hmm. know that so i gotta ask you out of all of them out of all of them what was your do you have like i get this question all the time i'm like man i don't know like they're all awesome like do you what what was your favorite sled that you ever rode and hold on let me answer it so in 2000 when you had the aluminum tank the small, like the ZR chassis and the cut hood, that that sled, like, it was so different than everything and everybody. It was hand-built. And um, who was helping you with that? Russ. Even. Russ. Yeah. I, I, Russ is a little little Houdini on the sleds mm-hmm. too, isn't he? Okay. Yeah, so Russ, I, uh, <clears throat> Russ was really, Russ Ebert and, and Joni and their whole family was super important in my early years of racing. My dad was still racing uh full bore in his career like going off doing his thing and I was just getting started so Russ and Joni took me racing for a couple of years while my dad was so busy and and Russ was the the man behind that 2000 X game sled that I won on uh fully hand built like that there was mod sleds then but this was like next level mod sled like let's make this thing as good as it possibly can um and I say we I I was teenage kid going to high school and <laughs> riding my dirt bike it wasn't me spinning the wrenches or doing it was all russ and, and articat putting that thing together so um super cool sled okay so sorry i i answered the question for you but like is there another one that like sticks out to you yeah so so that 2000 sled is was probably one of the like most radical sleds for its time uh that we did but like i just mentioned i wasn't heavily involved in yeah. figuring out what it was going to be and actually doing the work um it's hard not to pick the the last the last sled one that's what i tell people they get better every year so it's like yeah. well 
I mean, there's no way I could race my 2010 sled. Uh, you you got to pick the the last one because it's the easiest one to ride, the fastest, the best handling. Um, but when I and I've I've been asked this question many times, and I always say the same thing I just said. Oh, it's, you know, the last one I raced because yeah. it was the best. But I think back to uh, so 2012, Articat came out with a new chassis, um, and it just did not perform well on the track. It was heavily consumer based uh, chassis and not not as much effort put into making it a specific race sled. Uh, and we struggled big time in, in 2012 on that thing. And then we really put in a huge effort for the next season in 2013. And we put it on the Jenny Craig program is uh. what we called it. We had it written on the, on the, the shop wall and that's. So I stole that from you apparently. Oh, did you I use that same thing? I had a Jenny Craig sled. I okay. didn't know you guys Sorry. did it, but. Nope. Uh, so, so we just joked about that, but um, that sled, it was, you know, it was a, they made some changes from production, but at that point we were able to do a lot of work on the sled after we got it. It was still mod rules, so we could we could work within the rules and, and change a lot of stuff. And we really put a lot of effort in, and we cut a ton of weight out of that sled and fixed the things that needed fixed. And it, it was like a that was the start of of like a lot of years of of successful racing for us. And so that was a fun pr- project to work on. It was my dad and everyone on the team had had their hand in making that sled work better and um and that was fun and I had a lot of work I had a lot of time into that too like I was spending a lot of time working on the sleds engineering parts figuring out how to get parts built so it was it was satisfying for me because I was heavily involved at that point in making a a okay sled a really good sled that was the word that came to my mind just rewarding right Mm -hmm. like to take something that is pretty good and to make it really good yeah uh, it's a lot of fun and we did that and so that was 2013 that sled got really good and i'm i'm not going to remember the exact years but we had uh we would always build a brand new sled for x games mm-hmm. like fresh it was midway through our normal race season on the on the isoc or ws wpsa race series so it was kind of the midpoint we would we would build a brand new just the best of the best awesome sled for x games we won um we won three X games in a row on the same sled. Whoa. So we would build a new one every year and we'd go to the test track. We couldn't beat, couldn't beat the, <laughs> you know, so we just kept using it. So I've got one sled that I won. I've got one that I won two, I think in a row on. And then we built a new one, raced it a year, built another one. And then there was one that we raced. We actually raced it four X games in a row. It was that good. Wow. And we won three in a row on it. So pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I get this question. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass it to you. Everyone's like, you know, what sleds have you held on to? And over my time, I didn't have any money, so I didn't hold on to any because I had to sell them to build the build the next one. Um, I have held on to one, my X game sled mm-hmm. that I won. Um, do you have any that you've been able to put yeah. in the shop? Unfortunately and unfortunately, too, <laughs> too many of them. Um, Trust me, I know that's problem. So, so now I've, I've heard. You know, the same thing you said when my dad was racing, um, for, for most of those guys, that's, you know, they, they couldn't hang on to that sled. They had to sell it and, and, and put that into their next year's race program. I was very fortunate that I had great sponsors and I came in at the right time that I was able to, to hang on to some of these sleds, which I know that there's many racers now that wish they had their old sleds back and they try to find them. And, and so I'm, um, I have a lot of snowmobiles, <laughs> which they take up a lot of space. As you can see, you need, you need a lot of room to have a lot of snowmobiles. But, yep. uh, so I was very fortunate. I have, uh, 
I have pretty much every every sled that I won something really cool with. I have either uh, every X Games sled. I think I'm missing maybe one of them, but every one that I've won on, wow. I have, and and pretty much every championship sled. Um, some sleds that I raced overseas in Sweden and and uh, in Russia. I've been able to keep some world championship sleds, so I have a lot, um, which is cool, but. They're also just huge snowmobiles that take up a lot of space, space. and what do you do with them? But I, but it's so cool to look back at, and, and especially when you start pulling the, the side panels off and you start looking at, you know, especially some of those 2013, 2014 sleds that we were putting a lot of time and, and effort into, and you start seeing every little detail and everything that we did to them. It's, it's really cool to see. Um, so I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was able to hang on to those sleds. And, and I have a few... Um, at the hall, snowmobile hall of fame on display. So it's fun to be able to share them with some people for the most part, they're just sitting, sitting in the shop. So, well, I, I, I can relate. Um, so again, I, I couldn't have a bunch of my old ones that were really important to me, but y- you guys have seen, I, I have a deep, I have deep roots in this, in this sport. And in the night, late nineties, that was a really special time for me. Mm-hmm. That's when I was just so addicted and, you know, working two jobs to somehow pay for a snowmobile that I couldn't afford and, you know, like 96 XLT and 97 mm-hmm. 700s. And so, you know, I've kind of been on the search trying to find these. And so in my, in my personal shop, you know, every time I walk in, I look at those snowmobiles sitting there looking at me and it's just a feeling like when you walk into your shop and mm-hmm. see all those memories, it's just like, you know, this, this is me. And this is what defined me and all the work and everything that went into it. Um, so that's, that's really cool. You, you have a couple snowmobiles at the Hall of Fame. I got to ask you about one, the, the 100th win. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that event. Yeah, that was cool. So I, I was able to win my 100th uh, win in Deadwood. I can't remember the year, 2015, I believe. But I, I was stuck at 99 for like, I don't know, it was like four weekends in a row or something like I was you know I won a bunch of races and got to 99 like a bunch in a row and I was like oh here 100 will be easy yeah this the next race we'll be celebrating you know mm-hmm. well no it didn't it went like three or four weekends before I got to 100 and and it was like I didn't know what to think like <laughs> <laughs> am, am I, I losing it <laughs> am I stuck here and, and uh my mom made a her famous ginger snap cookies, a hundred cookies in a bag for me and, and wrote on there hundred wins and, um, you know, couldn't eat them until you get there. So mm-hmm. these things are bouncing around in the race trailer for, <laughs> for a month and they're all just, just a bunch of crumbs yeah. in the bottom. I'm like, this, this sucks. We got to win, man. So, um, yeah. So finally at Deadwood, um, I was able to get the win. And obviously, um, if you guys have seen that race, it was pretty intense and exciting and, and looking back on it, I'm, you know, I couldn't have scripted it any better. Nope. It, it went the way it should have went, but uh, I was pretty bummed at the time to to not get that win sooner. But man, that was uh, that was a cool night. Uh, racing in Deadwood, I I will say, was my least favorite race to ever go to, and for some reason, it was always like I had like four races at that track over a few years that were like the most memorable, most exciting. Uh, some of my most I'm most proud of uh, performances and yet I just did not like racing there Mm -hmm. it was like oh my gosh we got to go to Deadwood but and and that so it was a double-edged sword it's like some of the best stuff came out of there but it was my least favorite I got one quick Deadwood story so again 
back in the day, wanted to be a professional snowmobiler, and the only way you could go make money is to go be Tucker Hibbert and go race snowcross. So I tried my hand at snowcross for a few years, and it was in 2002, going to Deadwood. I had this wild – this is when we had the big uphill. You turn and then the big jump downhill. Yeah, so this is Deadwood on the ski hill, not in exactly. the rodeo grounds. Now, <laughs> and now you know, like, Deadwood on the ski hill was It was aw- cool. Awesome, yeah. right? So I literally would go there knowing that I'm not very good at snowcross, but all I wanted to do was hit that downhill <laughs> pinned, like Chris Vinson, right? <laughs> Chris would just, like, send it off that thing. It didn't even – Okay, I can I can already tell how this didn't work out for you. <laughs> You're trying to be like Chris Vinson. Okay. You're just going to have a bunch of broken parts on your snowmobile. Now, hold on. <laughs> I'm getting there. I should be nice. Chris Chris was very successful, but he was also good at breaking Breaking snowmobiles. Snowmobiles. Yep. He was a wild man. Yeah. Um, so you were actually racing semi-pro this year in, in 2002. I'm staying at the same hotel as you. You probably don't remember this because I was sitting behind you, but you, so we show up, we're, we're at the breakfast and, and I'm like, I'm just spying what you're eating. Cause I'm like, I got to get all the tips and tricks. 2002 here. was probably lucky charms and uh, <laughs> Cinnabons. Actually, you had this <laughs> giant pile of food, waffles and sausage and eggs. And I'm like, how's he eating all this stuff? And, uh, so we're racing in the same class and <clears throat> I already know, like, I'm not good at snowcross, so I need to one up these semi pros with my equipment. Mm. Okay, look at him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I show up there on this is no joke a 2002 Mountain Cat chassis with a 136 a long track. Okay, <laughs> so not a 121, yeah. a 136 because I'm like I'm going to get the whole shot <laughs> and I'm going to go up that hill. And so I line up against you, and I got to find – my dad was there with his little VHS recorder. I got to find the tape. Yeah, that would be cool to see. So we line up, and sure enough, dude, I – we're going up this hill, and I'm in front of everybody. I'm, like, literally probably looking back like I am doing it. And I am so excited that I just don't let off. And I go over the berm of the quarter at the top hey, of the hill. I know why you went over the berm. Mountain sleds don't turn. <laughs> You're right. I learned this. That's, it, um, wasn't, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't. Okay, well, thank you. Um, that was kind of my claim to fame in snowcross that I whole shot Tucker Hibbert to the first corner one time. And then I blew the corner, and then it was then you won. Um, but that was that was, you know. It was fun, um, yeah. but so a um, cu- couple, couple more, qu- couple quick ones on snowcross, and then I want to talk about our epic three days that we got to spend in the backcountry here. Mm-hmm. You uh, look very healthy, very in shape, very fit. Um, what's uh, what's been your worst injury over the years? Uh, probably my. So I've had <coughs> what almost all racers have: broken bones, some torn ligaments, some you know, sprains and bumps and bruises. Uh, fortunately for me, no head injuries throughout my entire career. I think I had one, I think, because this is before concussion stuff was, like, really figured out. But uh, hit my head once racing motocross, but it was probably a pretty minor situation. Um, otherwise, very fortunate to not have head injuries or any other real major injuries. I did crash uh, 2012, the year we were talking about the sled didn't work the best. Uh, was kind of an off year for me, and and I had a big crash at the last race of the year, and um, lacerated a kidney, 
Uh, oh. Had some internal stuff, which turned, you know, I didn't realize it at first. It, it took uh, a day or two before we got to the bottom of stuff, but it was it was a pretty b- bad one. I spent three or four days in the ICU and, and a week or two in the hospital. Uh, so, yeah, that one was a little scary. It was scary for me, more scary for uh, Mandy, my wife, and, and my family and everyone that was involved. I mean, I was just kind of along for the ride, but they had to kind of see see what that was all about. And it was it was scary. Um there was, there was four minutes when I was thinking like I shouldn't do this anymore. You mm-hmm. know what this is like. You, you go through something and, and as racers we forget really quick. Uh, thankfully, so I was able to bounce back from that. Um, bounce back even better. That was one thing that I was super uh, fortunate to be able to do. Anytime I had an injury, uh, I came back stronger after the injury, and that was that was because of the training and the effort and the dedication that I put into recovery and realizing that if I was better, faster, stronger, I wouldn't get injured again yep. as easily. And if I did, I'm going to come back even faster. So um, overall, super healthy career for me. Quite a few bumps and bruises along the way that people don't really know about or didn't know about, but um, stuff that I was able to manage and just uh, just keep powering through. I would agree with that. You hit it very well. Never saw you like out or limping around or anything, so... Mandy and I were talking about this the other day. She she just randomly came out with this, like how amazing it was. And she's she's right that I never missed I missed one race my entire racing career, and that was when I did that kidney injury. I was supposed to fly to Sweden, I believe, the next day to race uh, the last race of that season. While well, I crashed in Lake Geneva, the last snowcross, I had to miss that race. But for twenty some years, I never missed a single race due to injury sickness anything like that. So that's, again, it's, it's preparation, right? It's training, it's fitness, it's, um, it's all the stuff that you do to make sure you're prepared, but it's also a heck of a lot of luck to not, you know, I watch snowcross now and I'm just like, did I really do that? Like, yeah, you know, you're this far from, from major, major bad situations the whole time you're on the track. Yep. And for that to never have, have taken me out you know for a season let alone a race it's uh yeah pretty amazing what did you think when you saw the crash two weeks ago uh I did not like to see that yeah so I I watched the races and I you know follow snowcross now loosely I'll say um I basically I just watch the races when they're on tv and and sometimes we don't even watch all of them so I, I wasn't watching that race and then Blair sent me a clip of the crash and I'm like I didn't know he got hurt. He's like, Elias got hurt, and he sent the video, and I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. It was, and what's not? I mean, fortunately, I think he's doing okay. Yeah. Um, but for me to see that, it's like I was that guy, you know, what did you say, 200 and sometimes you lined up? And, yeah. And that's not counting practice and heat races and training during the week and all this, you know, every time you're on that snowmobile, it's an There's opportunity to be, to be injured, and I'm so thankful that, that I was able to escape anything bad so um again <sighs> preparation training fitness all those things get you in a position where you're you're the best you can be and that's all you can do okay next one highest of highs lowest of lows what are what were the two uh wow i mean there was there was so many highs for us like um i had a lot of success so that was that was awesome and um it's hard to pick one thing Probably going back to the 2000 X Games, my first pro race, my first win. That was kind of like the the launch pad for my career. But the cool part about uh, 
about that time and that race was my dad was racing too. So it was my dad's uh, last X Games and my first, and he he got fifth place in that race. That was his best finish, which for him was, especially at that time, I mean, we're talking about Blair, Chris Vincent, myself, like the stand-up riding styles coming in. My dad is definitely not standing up. Um, So he was probably, you know, that was like, that was a huge accomplishment for him at that point Mm -hmm. in his career. I think he was 40... 41 or 42 years old um what a freaking animal. yeah and sitting down just hammering yeah and gets fifth place and i won so that was super cool um that experience for us to to go to that race together and you know i'm i'm just a kid like nervous and not didn't know what to expect and he's a little bit in the same position like i'm i'm on the tail end and these guys are doing stuff i don't know how to do it we were kind of both in the in a similar scenario and we both had a great race and, and a lot of great memories came out of that. And then that obviously just kind of launched me into the rest of my career. And the following season, I was able to race against my dad uh, for the whole season. So the couple of heat races where we're battling, you know, for position side by side over the finish line. And yeah, a lot of cool memories back then. You guys aren't competitive at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, like... <laughs> That's a joke. You so, should have seen yesterday. <laughs> we are competitive. Fortunately... Uh, I didn't have to race against him for a lot of years because mm-hmm. that could have got a little awkward. But um, <laughs> we never had any, like, I cleaned him out, he cleaned me out situations. Uh, we were never put in that position, thankfully. But I do remember passing him. There was one race where I passed him in, like, the last lap, and then he had to go to the LCQ, and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> Is he going to be should, mad at Should I do this? <laughs> uh, didn't know what was going to happen when we got home. But, um, but no, super, super awesome to have those memories now. And, again, like you said, for us to be riding again uh, together is, is a lot of fun, and he's as competitive as he ever was. Uh, I feel like I'm I can not, attest I'm to not that. quite uh, – I've, I've, I've stopped racing and, and kind of shut off that shut the switch off on on that for me so it's kind of starting to open back up a little bit as i start riding more and stuff but um but yeah it's super fun to experience that together i'm so upset i have still in my room at my parents house i have the cover of snow week of you flying that 2000 sled over the finish line jump at x games arm armed up um i literally still have it the the the, the cover page of it it's all like yellow and tattered you know and everything but um it would have been cool to have it here and get you to sign it so next year when you come back we'll have to get it so that's the highest of highs what's been the lowest of lows you know fortunately i haven't had too many big lows like we were just talking the injuries uh i was able to escape a lot of those injuries never really had a any really bad seasons or bad races i don't know you have one race that you if you could have it back no, you won everything. <laughs> no, I, I didn't win everything. <laughs> you won uh, a lot of them. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, d- I mean, those things you put out of your mind pretty quick. I, I never slept after a race, even if I won. So, yeah, I slept better. I don't know how to say this. I slept better when I didn't win than when I did win sometimes. Because even when I won, I would sit there and just think, like, you always can be better mm-hmm. and I would make mistakes and do this and I would just think like oh man I should have I could have done this line and why didn't I do that and you know and and part of that is you don't know what the next race is going to hold and you might if you don't challenge yourself even when you're winning you're not going to be prepared for when you are challenged so for me that was that was a big thing I just I always wanted to be better no matter what uh, whether if I won or didn't win obviously if I didn't win it was 
I was a little more intense about it, but um, yeah, I don't know. No, no big lows. We don't, we don't talk about those things. So I've got a really tough question for you. And I, I, I thought about not asking you this, but so your dominance at X games nine in a row, right? I'm in the TV booth at this time doing some freestyle stuff. Right. And I'm listening to producers talk about you. And I actually got to call some snowcross mm-hmm. events, which was really cool, really fun. I think Tucker's feeling really good right now. He, he was really tied up in lap traffic. He's got through those. He's got a clean racetrack ahead of him, no roost. Little bit of shadows with, with, uh, with the sun here. Earlier in practice, we had flat light, so I think the guys are really happy to have some sunshine on these jumps. You always uh, had nice things to say about me, so I, I do appreciate that. I did, um, because I'm very humbled and respectful of you. But in my ear, the producer's like, is there any way we can just start Tucker in the second row? And to, in my, I'm like, it won't matter. It won't matter. But you dominated X Games so bad that a lot of people said, Tucker is the reason that Snowcross is not in X Games. Yeah, and, and so I've heard that, and I know, like, when that was all going on, I, yeah, it's a hard thing. Like, uh, X Games is a made-for-TV event. Yep. They're, they're uh, entertainment. It's, they're not as focused on racing. You know, they don't care who, I mean, they care who wins, but it's, it's an entertainment, right? Um, and for me, I just want to win. I don't care. So I, there there was always some awkward tension there, like, if you win by 30 seconds, no one's going to want to watch this anymore. Um, and you're then, like, so you're asking me not to ride 110% that I've literally, like, put my life into. Yeah, and, and no one ever asked me not of to. Of course, you know, right. That's never. But that's that what they're saying. Thing. Yeah. Right? So, don't win by 30. Win by three. No. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. For me, that was, yeah, it sucks when you see it all the time with other athletes yeah. and other sports. When people are successful, it's cool, and if they keep being successful, then people get sick of it. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's like what I, Jimmy Johnson, right? Yeah, they hated Jimmy because he kept winning. Yeah, yep. I even saw it. Uh, you know, I don't follow football at all. I watched, sort of watched the Super Bowl the other night, and I. It's funny when you're around a bunch of people because everyone's got a different perspective on things, and you know, some people I could kind of sense that some people are just chafed because a team has won two years in a row now, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, you know." It's like, and I'm sitting there, and I even said something to some guy. I'm like, so, so uh, you don't want someone to be, you know, you get mad when someone wins too much. <laughs> so people shouldn't win so much. And, I'm, and then they look at me, and they're like, oh. And, I'm like, and I get it. Like, yeah, people get, people get mad if you just keep winning, and then they think it's boring. But for, so for me, I'm not out here to make anyone happy. I'm here for myself. Yeah. I raced for myself. I raced for my team. Uh, I raced for the challenge. So for me, I'm going to. My goal is to win by as much as I possibly can, and I'll never change that. Yeah. Uh, did that hurt X Games and Snowcross's involvement in X Games? Maybe. I have no idea. But I, can't, I don't care. I, I can't control any of that. <laughs> I'm here to win. That's all I want to do, and that's how I approached every race in my whole life. Um, and I, and that's, that's what I can sit here today and feel good about it. If I, you know, sandbagged or mm-hmm. or didn't put the effort in or whatever then it's then you then it sucks like you feel bad then about it would it. be one of our lowest of lows so that, we'd be talking so, about so for me it was it was me i didn't care about anybody else it's 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 not a nice way to think about things but when i was racing and super successful you just 
you have one a one track mind. That's yeah. it. And it and it's unfortunate because you know family friends things get left in the sidelines. Um, you can't you can't do it all. So it's there's give and take. But for me, I had to just that was all I knew. Just go. Well, and for me, I am I am a fan of the winner. And like you said, a lot of people they don't like Tom Brady. They don't like Jimmy Johnson. Um, and because they win too much, mm-hmm. uh, I'm the other way. I'm like, dude, we're watching excellence right now. And, um, you guys should just enjoy what you're mm-hmm. watching right now. So, um, well, Tucker, that's, wow. That's already 48 minutes, um, of just snow cross, but we got to talk about, um, dude, we finally got you out to BBA here and, um, I got to show you my world and my element. You've, uh, so let's just tell the people what like what was your motivation to come out here and do some mountain riding? How much mountain riding have you done in the past? Um, I was so pumped to get both you and your dad out here. Dad has been out here for the last three years, and literally like it's you know him and I texting you. Well, your dad wasn't texting; he was like sending letters <laughs> on the flip phone. Yeah, yeah, on the flip phone. Yeah, but, having, having my mom send me a, a fax. <laughs> Tucker, can you come riding? Um, fax it over. But you know, is it, it? It's me and your dad have become buds and mm-hmm. my daughter and your dad have become buddies. Um, just, you know, he's such, such the salt of the earth type of person. And, you know, hearing his stories of him being out here, it's good to have you. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it was a blast. Uh, I wish I should have made a bigger effort to come sooner. Uh, I've been enjoying a slow pace of life the last four or five, six years since I stopped racing. I've really enjoyed um, I didn't know what life would be like after racing for me. I never thought about that until it was over. Again, that was the, the tunnel vision, just just do do the work, figure the rest out later. So for me, when I stopped racing, it was I didn't I never knew how I would handle that or what I would do with myself. And I'm happy to say that I've enjoyed I, I haven't struggled with not racing. I haven't had uh moments where I've wished I was back racing no regrets, any of that. So I've enjoyed my life and it's been a complete 180. Like my life is slow, uh, not intense. I like to spend time with my wife and my dog and just do normal stuff. So for me to come here has been, it's been a big change for me. (laughs) Um, Partly because it's thrown me back sort of into the into the situation that I did for so long and, and and I haven't been there for a long time and partly because I'm not in shape like I used to be. I'm I'm not out of shape, but I am not anywhere near the level of fitness. So when I ride, I feel weird. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this? I'm like tired, <laughs> I'm I think. I'm tired, I'm sore. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of, it, this has been a big a big deal for me. Uh, the reason I'm here, the, the main reason I'm here is to spend time with my dad and my friends. Um, I enjoy riding snowmobiles. I love it as much as I did when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that uh, I have to be a little careful. I'm, my personality is all or nothing, and it always has really? been. And my, my wife loves that about me mm-hmm. and hates that about me at the same time, and I know you're, you're the same way. Um, it's finding a balance. And I've, you know, for so many years, my focus was, and it had to be, on me. And, and everyone around me is focus was on me and that's that's what it took it's a very selfish uh situation to be in um luckily I had a lot of people that were 
were loved doing what we were doing as much as I did, so it didn't really feel that way. But at the same time, it is a selfish situation, and a lot of people had to sacrifice a lot of things. So for me to make that switch and, and not race and not be in that situation, it's I've enjoyed it, and it's been good, and i got to be a little careful about what I dive into because when I dive in, I, I go all in. And it's uh, maybe not fair for me to put that much time and effort into something again because that's been my whole life and maybe it's time for a, a switch and and I'm finding that balance and trying to figure out mm -hmm. how to do it but man is it hard to not go all in on stuff and when I go uh, a lot of people I don't think understand the amount of effort time and energy that goes into being successful at the level that we were racing and it, it's it's hard to even explain and so because that's how I've always done it and that's how I've seen success that's all I know how to do. Mm -hmm. So, as you know, I, I love shed, hun shed hunting now. Yep. For some reason, I, I attack shed hunting the same way I attacked X Games nine in a row. And it's stupid, but that's, <laughs> that's all I know. That's all you know. Uh, so, mountain riding, same thing. I've, I've been a little bit like, oh, I don't, know, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Because I got to go all in. Or, or I'm just going to be kind of mad at myself all the time. Which you were mad at yourself several several times throughout the last <laughs> just three, a few <laughs> a few days. Um, how many how many days have you ridden in the mountains? So we talked earlier about riding in the mountains preseason for snowcross. Yeah. Um, so I I have been in the mountains quite a bit, but never. This is this is the first year that I've ridden mountain sleds in mountain conditions. Uh, this time of year. Uh, it's always been in the past on a snowcross sled mm -hmm. in spring or fall snow, which is totally different from mid-season snow or whatever. So my experience in the mountains is pretty limited and, and very limited when it comes to actual mountain riding. Um, this year I started, this is my third, this was my third trip riding. So the first day of our riding together was my, I think it was my fourth time on the mountain. Um, so very limited and yeah, it's been an eye opening experience. Let me stop you right there. Okay. So this dude, so obviously I, I knew he, I know he knows how to ride a snowmobile, of course. Right. But mountain riding is 180 mm -hmm. of snowcross racing. And so, you know, Tucker is just beating himself up like on the hill. I'm tired. I, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do right here. And he's like literally like four feet from the top. And so like, let me back up. These guys, I've been taking your group for the last six years. Okay. Over six years, we, I've turned them from good riders to insanely great riders. Right. And I save all of these spots, like the gnarliest of gnarly, I save for them for our trip because I know I can get him in there. And here you are bitching that you're stuck after four days of riding a mountain sled, like at the very top of the hardest stuff that I have in my zone, dude. It's like, was I surprised that you would get this quickly? Maybe not, but more impressed because it's, and it's really hard. It's easy to get frustrated um, because it's, it's when you, when you live at that level, your entire life, and then you're not not at that level doing something that you like, it could be frustrating, which we, we've talked about that over these last three days. But, dude, yep. you being hard on yourself, 
that doesn't surprise me either. It's like me when I freaking yard sailed into the tree yesterday. You know, I was pissed off at myself because I knew what I needed to do. Um, and but I think the one thing that is is really was really enjoyable for me was watching you just get it very quickly. Um, and you know, we did drills on day one, like I do with all of my groups and it's just so fun to watch, like it start to click and you're like, okay, all right, that makes a little more sense. Now this is kind of working. Yep. Um, so, you know, I guess I'll let you talk about it cause I get to talk about this all the time. Like, what did you think of, you know, the terrain and, you know, just the pace and the steepness and because, we try to show it in the videos and all of that stuff, but until you see it in person, you're like, whoa. Like, yeah. I showed you the videos last night, right, of what we did that where you guys were like, no way. And I showed you, and you're like, wait, that was it? I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's totally different uh, to watch it on video than to actually be on the mountain, which I've known that forever. Like, of um, course. You ride in the mountains, and it's just way gnarlier than what people think. But um, it was awesome. I had a, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of frustration, obviously. Um, we were we were visiting last night in a, in a group after dinner, and, and Ryan McConnell asked me, he said, what, you know, what translates? What What's the difference between snowcross and mountain riding? And my dad was sitting there, too, and, and I'm, like, asking my dad, if do you agree? And he did. There is almost zero that translates. Uh, and Ryan did bring up one thing, your eyes up, looking ahead, that translates. I mean, if you stare at stare at your ski t ski tips on a snowcross sled you're not going to do yeah. any good either um but aside from that like i can honestly say almost everything is opposite it's not just like different it's like backwards that's gotta literally. be really so, hard and I, and I didn't expect that um i knew it was different i knew it would be challenging i thought um, you know, give me a day or two and I'll be, I'll be ripping. <laughs> uh -huh. It's, it is not the case for me. Um, I feel like I have moments where I can like, oh, I just nailed it, you know, and like I did it perfect. And then the next time I couldn't screw it up any worse if I tried. Like, <laughs> and so that's where I'm at. I'm like, I can do it and I can see it for sure. I can see what I need to do, but actually doing it is, is another thing. And I, I feel like I can get there, but it's going to take time. Um, but the drills, uh, that was cool for me because instantly I was like, oh, when you do it this way, it's a hundred times easier. Mm -hmm. Whether or not I can accomplish it every time is another thing, but just knowing that this is how you do it and this is why, and oh, that makes total sense now. Um, when I was just riding on my own, I don't, I didn't pay attention to what just I was surviving. doing. Sometimes it works, yeah. sometimes it doesn't. So that was cool. And I, and I, honestly, I felt a little bit like the third day, the second day I was still, thinking back to the drills that we did and the technique and I would run through that in my head as I'm doing things on the mountain excuse me and then the third day I don't know if I was just too tired or what but I almost I, I kind of felt like at the end of the day I thought back like would have been nice to do a couple drills in the morning just to refresh yeah. my memory uh because I feel like when I was on the mountain I just had I was just riding again and I kind of forgot what I was supposed to be doing and then that made it way harder but um yeah, it, it's, it is amazing how different it is than the riding I've done in the past. It's, it's a completely different uh, scenario, terrain, the sled, the way the sled works, how you have to ride it. So much of it is so much different. Um, super fun. The frustrating part for me is, you know, like everyone, watching you do it, it looks so easy. Um, 
it's it's been a cool experience for me because through my whole career I've been on the other side of it and people ask me and look at me and say I don't get it like how how do you do how does it look so easy how do you do it and I'm and I don't have an answer Mm -hmm. I just because it's just autopilot like it was so easy for me to do what I did that I didn't think about it ever um and I didn't I didn't practice drills like what you guys are doing either it just it just I did it and it happened and I couldn't explain it and I couldn't even quite understand how other people couldn't do it because it just that's a really really good breakdown of that like what do you mean why why are you struggling with this like this is so easy yeah so for me to be on the other side of that has been interesting Uh kind of cool um the and and but that also is what makes it so frustrating for me because I can I I know that when you get to the point where you're at and where a lot of these other guys I'm riding with are at, that it, it just happens. You don't even think about it. And I'm stuck back here just a little bit behind that where sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. And I'm thinking about it and I'm trying and I'm like, but I know the feeling when it just happens and you mm-hmm. don't even think and you're just, it just happens. I know that feeling because that was my whole life on a snowmobile. And to not be there is like, it's frustrating. Well, maybe your fifth trip, you'll get it. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> it's, um, again, it was amazing uh, knowing the lack of seat time and where, you know, where we were yesterday was as challenging as it gets. The snow was sugary. The trees were super tight. We were really steep. And and I wanted to go to the meadow. And you really <laughs> love the Midwest meadows, big time. Um, but when we're in there, your dad's in there, mm-hmm. right? And I will never forget this for the rest of my snowmobiling life. Like you're, and I told the story at dinner last night. You, you get hung up. I come up there, give you a couple ski poles, give you a little like, hey, dude, get on edge, get your ski down in that trench, get around that corner, and you're you're out, dude. You're to the top. Like it's beautiful up there. Wait till you see it, mm-hmm. right? And your dad is like, he is so bound and determined to take the hard line and I talk about this in life in everything the reward is so much better when you take the hard way versus Mm -hmm. the easy way and so you make it up there which is awesome and then you had to like well now how the heck do I get down yeah and the down sucks Mm -hmm. right yeah it's more scary than going up for (laughs) sure (laughs) so you come down we got guys down and your dad's still up on the hill and you make this comment of because um, we we're like, hey, let's come down and have lunch. And you're like, oh, he's not coming down. He's not coming down until he makes it. And I literally, I hear that and I like, I sh- cram all my stuff in my sled. I'm like, dude, I'm going to get him up there. And I get up there and he's upside down in that shithole that we were in. Mm-hmm. And just with the biggest dang grin on his face. And he's like, you know, I, I could just really use just a quick little hand. And I'm like, Kirk, we're, we're getting this. And literally I pull him through this one silly little spot and he gets up and we get up to the top and dude, it just, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, he rolls up to the top and you know, he's, he's choked up. Um, and it choked me up and you know, he's like, you know, doing this type of thing makes me think of Rob Kincaid. Mm-hmm. You know, he tells me that. And he says, he to- he literally a person that, I've looked up to forever. Um, he says, you're my hero, you know? And like, 
it was just a moment for me that I will never forget. And it's, you know, he's instilled all those values in you. I can see it, um, you know, just getting to hang out with you guys. And it's all the things that I try to pass on to my children as well is that, um, you know, the reward is so awesome when you work for it. Yeah, for sure it is. Yeah, it's, that's, that's the story of life, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, so we'll, we'll wrap this up here, but what was it like riding? You, I mean, you kind of, you got to ride with your dad in, in my world and my element and all of that stuff. I mean, finally, we finally got you here. What was it like? It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I, you know, I was frustrated because I wasn't as good as I wanted to be, um, all that stuff, but the base of the whole trip was so much fun. Um, being here was fun. Also, the the couple of rides we did previously to come in here, mm-hmm. super fun. Uh, going with Paul and Alex Inglestead and my dad, it's it's a really fun group of people. I got to meet a handful of, of other people on this trip with you guys that I uh, had a blast riding with and getting to know. Um, all the guys that work here with you, super awesome. Shane worked his butt off dragging yeah, us around all, all week and, uh, and Blake yourself pulling on my ski tips um travis back cooking his food at the lodge i mean it was it was such a fun experience aside from riding just getting to know everybody and have have a lot of fun together and a lot of laughs for me the the biggest thing uh the the biggest reason i'm here is my dad paul and alex paul and alex put a lot of effort and time into helping me be able to do this and and dragging me around and taking me riding and it's been a lot of fun. Alex and I are, are good friends, and I really enjoy spending time with time with him, and so many good memories with Paul racing and my dad. It's just fun to it's fun to be back in that that environment. So thank you for for provi- providing that for me and and for all of them. I can see how much fun they have, and how much they look up to you, and how much they've learned from you, and they enjoy this experience so much. So it's super cool to see that firsthand. And I've always heard the stories, and now to to be a part of those stories is uh, it's pretty cool. Well, sweet. Um, I I I can't end this without asking you. You have you have the same problem as I do, and Mandy will attest to this. How many jags do you actually have? <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm into these old sleds. We got, we're gonna have to discuss. see. It's a common this theme is, with us. This okay? is gonna have to be a whole other podcast, but um, <laughs> it will. And you're yeah. coming to old iron, yeah. dude. Uh, yeah, I'm in the old Jags. They're not like high powered. They got one carburetor, a little fan cooled 440 engines. Uh, I like the long tracks though with the touring and the reverse and the two up seats. So I'm a little bit of an old man, but <laughs> I'm working into some higher, higher horsepower, get something that I can bring out here and ride with you guys. But, um, I love snowmobiles yeah. and old Jags are cool. They are hundred percent. Um, yeah, you and your dad need to get like the Thundercat or ZRT, or we need to get something out here, roll chain case, deep yep. paddle track. So I have to ride a Jag, just so you know. So it's going to be a modified Jag. Hey, I'm in. And if it ain't long, it don't belong. <laughs> That's write name. that down, everybody. Yep. Uh, Tucker, I can't thank you enough for uh, jumping on here. Um, it's, you know, again, I've looked up to you forever, and um, – being able to actually spend some real time with you instead of um, like everybody else watching you do your thing uh, has been very enjoyable for me. Um, I, uh, I can't wait for, for next year. I can't wait to see all the other things you, uh, you, you do. And you know, the, the things you do to stay engaged with your fans. I think it's awesome. I think a lot of people, um, 
you know, they hold on to those pastimes and mm-hmm. want to know what Tucker's up to. And that was actually the number one question uh, when I when you type in Tucker Hibbert. Um, what is Tucker up to? <laughs> um, and so I, I'm, congratulations on all your success. Congratulations you. on, you know, I think about the retirement side of things as well. When, you know, like when I get to that point where I don't want to maybe do BBA, um, I will still, I have a shed full of projects of 96 XLTs and mm-hmm. ultras and Jag like projects mm-hmm. that, um, I really enjoy. And again, I love snowmobiles and I love snowmobiling. So that will always be a part of my life for like sure. it is for years. Yep. yep. Well, thank you, Ed. And again, I've, uh, we've kind of been parallel in our careers and just cross paths occasionally, but I've always looked up to you and that, you know, I'm sure you hear it all the time, but the, the big backflip at X games in 07 down that mountain was that was nuts. So that that was nuts. That was one of those ones. It wasn't nuts. It was cool, and it looked nuts. But for you, I'm sure it was just just like going up the mountain yesterday. You just just go do it. That was, yeah, man. We could have like 18 podcasts and have some mm-hmm. fun stuff. But that that was one of those. I'll I'll never forget your comment talking about that both you two when you guys came and visited me in the summer. You guys brought that up and. It was one of those times where it was a defining moment in, li- mm-hmm. in my life where I just needed to, I needed to do what I needed to do to go win. Yeah. And that's something that you can relate yeah, I to. Yeah, can, I can, uh, yep, I can totally relate to that. And, and it's uh, amazing the calm of that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm prepared. I know my sled can do it. I know I can do it. Yes, it's a little out of the realm of what I've done in the past, but I feel, I, I was not nervous at all. So, you know, we got to give props to our wives and the, oh my gosh. because Mandy yes. was not calm because <laughs> I was standing with her. I'm sure your wife was not calm. Um, yeah. So for us, it's just what we do, but for the people on the sides watching, holy cow, my poor wife. Yeah. Yeah. Your uh, poor wife. You, I didn't get to touch on this, but you said it no better. The life we have lived has been 100% selfish mm-hmm. to be the best at something if you're not selfish, you will never get to the best. And I actually shot a piece with Sig Sauer um, in December, and they were interviewing me. And that's all I could think about was like, you know, the only reason all of this is here is because I've sacrificed my wife, my family, my time, all of that to get to here. And so, you know, from here on out, that is my goal is trying to like, back away from this a little bit it's established i've got great guys i still enjoy riding but i really have so much time and effort to make up on the family side of things and more more i spend a lot of times with my kids and that's still again at a sacrifice of spending time with my wife mm-hmm. and so i have a lot of making up yeah it's to a do balancing there. act for sure yeah and when there's sheds to find it's like <laughs> it makes nothing, it even harder nothing else matters <laughs> shed hunting Tucker, awesome, man. Thank you. uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed this one. Um, uh, Blake, you have a lot of editing to do on this one. All right. Thanks, guys, and uh, we'll catch you next time.